Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. From the 6th and Peabody studio and across the Outkick network, this is the Outkick 360 playoff special with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Over Saturday and Sunday, the final eight teams standing will play for the right to advance to the conference championship, all trying to stay on the road to Los Angeles and Super Bowl 56. On Sunday at 3 p.m. Eastern, Tom Brady and the Buccaneers take on the surging star power of the L.A. Rams, and it's Mahomes and Allen under the lights at Arrowhead Stadium when the Chiefs and Bills kick off at 6.30. Both number one seeds kick off the weekend. The Packers host the 49ers Saturday night on Fox, and the top-seeded Titans face the Bengals to begin the weekend in Nashville. From our 6th and Peabody studios with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine, welcome to Music City. This is the Outkick 360 playoff special across the Outkick network. Alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Kuharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton. And over the next hour, a primer to get you ready for kickoff on all four games this weekend. Coming up, Outkick.com's Armando Salguero will discuss the quarterback who can prove the most with a playoff run. But first, big questions going into the weekend. And guys, we, we start with coaching. Which coach has the most to gain in the playoffs and which has the most to lose? Well, uh, I mean, I think the obvious answer is Zach Taylor, most to win. It, third season, fourth season? Third. Third season, you go to AFC uh, cha- championship game. As a Cincinnati Bengal, uh, it doesn't happen there. They haven't won a playoff game in 31 years until last week. Then you win two um, and go to the championship game. at a massive deal. It raises him to a new echelon. Uh, starts to dull the, oh, you knew um, McVeigh. You you were once in a room with McVeigh jokes. uh, Legitimizes him on his own, all all of that. Um, I think it does wonders for him. Wouldn't wouldn't hurt Shanahan either. What about Vrabel? Vrabel's pretty damn solid. That's my answer. Who has the most to gain versus who has the most to lose? It's Mike Vrabel. Uh, Mike Vrabel in three years would go AFC Championship, uh, first round playoff, Super Bowl. Pretty good three years. And uh, Mike Vrabel's also probably going to be your NFL coach of the year right now, as is. Uh, but I'm looking at everyone. I, I think Mike Vrabel has a chance to solidify himself as not just the NFL coach of the year, but one of the best coaches in the we game. we saying Super Bowl or winning this Well, weekend? just uh, the coach that has the most to gain just in the playoffs right right now. I I, I would think it could, it could be Taylor. Taylor's not a bad answer in all this. Uh, it can be Vrabel if they go on a run. And the reason why I say if they go on a run, Vrabel is the, he's the non-analytic coach that's still coaching right now. Everybody else in the analytics community. I think he uses them more than we think. I think he just quietly doesn't tout quietly, them. Doesn't he doesn't tout, tout them. them and stand at the podium and, and discuss these numbers. And See, I think Vrabel's secure as hell. Well, Vrabel's going to coach this team fine. for a long time. He's going to get a big raise after this season. Uh, he doesn't yeah. need That's fair. playoff success here for anything. 
And so you know, I, I think I, we Taylor will be, could get fired in two years if he loses this game and things go south quickly. I, I think we will be unanimous on who has the most to lose. Matt LaFleur. Matt LaFleur loses this game. He's going to get labeled as strictly a regular season coach. Couldn't maximize it with one of the best quarterbacks of all time. Uh, look at all those regular season Rogers wins. 13, 13, and 13, and it didn't mean a damn thing. Yeah, to, to accomplish the first round bye and then not reach the pinnacle with Rodgers and that team after being a game short of the Super Bowl last year, to me, it's a unanimous decision on most to lose a million percent. It would be Matt LaFour. I think he's got to not just be in the Super Bowl. He's got to win it. I think it's no doubt that it is LaFleur because it is going to be seen as, uh, after a year ago, the way things ended for Green Bay, it will be seen as his fault uh, if they were to lose early in these playoffs. And God forbid it come with a bad decision like the field goal. Is run defense quietly the most important factor in all four games? We, we're spending a lot of time on the matchup for the Titans and Bengals and run defense. But if you start to look across these matchups, so let's just go in order. You've got Derrick Henry against the Bengals' run defense as one of the keys. San Francisco and Green Bay are both going to run the football, especially San Francisco. And early in the, it, we mentioned, you know, pre-snap motion is, is some things to watch. This is this is one of those areas in in that game where run defense comes to play a big factor, despite everything that Rodgers can do through the air with Adams. Um, on uh, games on Sunday, Cam Akers and the the great job and the the mentality that he the aggression that he was running with a week ago uh, against Arizona, now going against the top run defense of Tampa Bay, and then can Kansas City take away Josh Allen's run lanes? You know, let's let's focus on what Allen's capable of for Buffalo's run game. And if they take away Allen, does that make Singletary a non-factor in the matchup on Sunday? I, I don't know, like, the framing of the question. To me, it's so situational and, uh, and game-specific. And you can frame it so many different ways. Like, Cincinnati's the fifth-best overall run defense. But they're giving up the 13th highest run average yeah they don't face many carries yeah and so it doesn't make a lot of sense they had 87 uh, games where they gave up 86 rush yards or less but they have seven games where they gave up 103 or more four of those they gave up 142 or more so are they a good run defense the answer is some days they're a really good run well defense. i'm not framing it as is it about good run defense i'm framing it as for the season i'm framing it as is it an un, the most underrated key for all four games. If Cincinnati stops the Titans despite not being great at stopping the run, no matter where they're ranked, that's the reason why they'll win. Well, I think it's really big for Cincinnati. Yeah. I don't think it's as big. I don't think it's uh, – let's put it this way. To your question, Hunter, I don't think it's underrated for Cincinnati because it's the key of the game for them. But when you go into other games, yes, it's probably an underrated factor in the game. For instance, like you, you brought up Kansas City against Buffalo and Josh Allen's ability yeah, to run. There it is an underrated key for Kansas City. I don't think it's underrated at all that Cincinnati needs to contain Derrick Henry uh, in this game. So I think it's game to game when you look at it. But to answer the question, absolutely, it is an important factor in all four games this weekend. If Singletary's good, Buffalo probably wins. 
And he's been okay. I mean, he's yeah, been he's hovering around life. 80 to 100 yards a game you pair over that the last with what, You pair that with what Allen does, and you've had yeah, a if good if you can get 30 or 40 yards from Allen, then that they're humming. Um, easy to have a bias here in Nashville, covering this on a daily basis. And I understand the 30,000-foot view of, of the Titans. But are the Titans actually the least respected team in these playoffs, given the fact that they're the number one seed, the columns... And uh, the the write-ups on this team are more about them being the worst number one seed that we've ever seen than what they've accomplished despite who they did not have on their roster. Are they, the, in fact, the least respected? Why or why not? By fans, by media? Just every, all encompassing. Yes. By fans and by media, they're the least respected, for sure. I don't think by football people. I, I, I agree respected. with you there. I, I was going to say there's two answers to this question. They're highly respected, I think. Titans fans... For years, when the Titans didn't deserve a lot of respect, harped on the disrespect, disrespect, disrespect too much, where I, I told them over and over, don't, don't care so much about what national people think. This week, I think it's real and it's a fair, a fair complaint. The fastest path to end it is right here, though, for the team. Win this game, then, then you're hosting the AFC Championship. You win that one, you really shut people up. There's also a path here to amplify it. Get beat by the Cincinnati Bengals after you had the number one seed. All those analytic stories about being the worst number one seed and all of that, all of the, all those people retweet them. Hey, in case you missed this last week, here's what I said ahead of the Titans' loss to the, to the, to the Bengals. Um, that's it. I think everybody says, I like, Mike, uh, I like uh, Kyle Shanahan and I like uh, so-and-so and, and they say, I like Mike Vrabel, but... I can see, I, yeah, I can see where I see where you're we going with that there. impression. Absolutely. So, uh, fans and media, without a doubt, they are the least respected team by fans and media. And I don't know that there's a close second that's left playing of these eight teams. Of, I mean, just just watch how media gushes over Kyle Shanahan, and I think Kyle Shanahan's a good coach. And McVay, yeah, the talent of the Rams, and then the McVay factor. I mean, go down the list: Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Tampa Bay, it's Tom Brady. No one's going to disrespect Tom Brady at this point. So, yes, media and fans, no doubt, Titans are the least respected. But, Paul, I'm with you. I think if you pulled the great teams that are left, you know, Kansas City, who everyone would say, fans, media, great teams, Kansas City, Buffalo, Green Bay, Tampa, football people, there is no disrespect to the Titans and how they go about winning. And the answer So I think there's two different answers. The answer is not as easy as, oh, they're they're the least respected because of the small market. The Titans are the largest market remaining in the AFC. That I mean, it's not small market crazy. syndrome. They're the they're the largest NFL market remaining in the AFC. That's so, a great point. You're the first one I've heard say that. That needs amplification. So Nashville now is officially bigger than Kansas City. They're the twenty fifth rated market among the thirty two teams. And the other teams are below them. I was having uh, this conversation. Buffalo's last, by the way. I was having this conversation with my wife driving through Kansas City. I think she asked, is Kansas City bigger or smaller than Nashville? And I'm looking at the downtown thinking, you know, it's a good question. I think it may still be a little bit bigger, but and it's not. That, that's, a great, that's a great fact. When I read that, I read that over the week. Um, I'll try to pull it during the, during the commercial and give them credit for it. But the, uh, it's one of these analytic sites that's, that's pointing to all the television ratings. Um, Guys, question uh, number four. Four of the six games last weekend, legitimate blowouts. Like, not even close. What are we going to see this week? 
no blowouts, and we can we can discuss what we mean by that, or multiple, like multiple double-digit type finishes this weekend. What's more likely, based on the trends we've seen throughout the regular season, which game is the most likely matchup to end in what we would term an NFL blowout? We're going to get at least one blowout this weekend, and it's going to be the Packers over the 49ers. I think the 49ers had all of the luck they're going to get in that win over the Cowboys. Uh, I think the Packers and Aaron Rodgers completely outclassed them. If I'm picking a game that's going to be a blowout, I think Green Bay wins by two or three touchdowns Saturday night against San Francisco. I think that's the obvious answer. That's the one I would say, but I'm not going to say it. I think three out of four will be close. I don't know which one won't be. I think they're all fantastic games. I, I think I Green Bay San Francisco is a dogfight. I think this I is a too. defensive battle. I think both offenses struggle early in this game. At cold, uh, Green Bay is going to want to run it uh, and run it heavy. I think San Francisco's built for that. I'm I'm intrigued to see what they can do in their run game with you know the the conditions. And then Garoppolo's got the thumb problem. Um, I, I again, I I think San Francisco's defense can hang with Green Bay, and I'm basing that off of what we saw earlier this season. Green Bay four, jumped out to a, a 17 point advantage, 17 seven at halftime earlier this year, and they were able defensively to make enough adjustments to allow their defense, to allow their offense to get back in it. Green Bay won, and they gave up some plays late. 30-28 was the final on a game-ending kick by Mason Crosby. I think four great ones is just too much to ask. Maybe I, I'm, uh, I don't want to mess with the football guy. Well, if I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to ride my uh, blowout-calling hot streak of one <laughs> where I called I mean, Tampa destroying Philly last week, and I'm going to tell you that, once again, Green Bay will roll. If I had to pick a blowout, and I'm, I think they're all close, the blowout is Tennessee over Cincinnati. I, and the reason for that is... The trio, Julio Jones, A.J. Brown, Derrick Henry, and then Tannehill quarterback. You've only seen 120 snaps of that. How do you prepare? Downing has a chance now to throw some wrinkles in with that personnel that no one defensively has seen all year. And he's had a week to prepare for it. There, if he's done his job right, there should be some wrinkles. And the wrinkles don't have to be big. They could be formationally. But just something that you haven't shown with the personnel you had because you couldn't do it. You now can with your full arsenal. And if the Titans come out and play their game and Burrow and, and company turn it over a couple times, this could easily be a double-digit spread. So you're not you're saying all four games will be close, but if you had all, to pick one, you think it's I, Titans. I think the easiest one for me to talk myself into is Titans-Bengals of the, of, of the four matchups uh, based on how I see the strengths of all the teams. Titans don't blow people out. Well, I mean, I just, I just they blew my, out my Buffalo and Kansas thing. City. Yeah, but you know what I'm I'm getting at. They haven't they haven't lately. The Titans did not blow out Buffalo this year. No, they have in the past. They blew out they blew out Kansas City. It was a long time ago though. They blew out the Rams. They tend to get oh to, the Rams. Yeah. yeah, they tend to to play close. It's it's kind of the, the a feature of their style of play. And if they get leads early. They really, unfortunately, turn it off in the second half um, and, and tend to say, okay, we've got this, and then let the other team 
hang around too much. Certainly what they did in Houston when they had a big lead and then let Danny Amendola come back and get him. I hope for Titans fans' sake it's the case. I like all close games, all drama. I'll take all the drama I can get. The other one could be Rams and Bucks. And just thinking about how the Rams match up and the firepower they have versus the short passing game of Tampa and the fact that Fournette's coming back and they've got to have him. I'll take that one as my potential blowout Rams upset. For years, all the pressure was on Peyton Manning. And would he get one and then, okay, can he get the next one? And he finally did. He got it in Denver on his way out. And I wonder... And the question going into the divisional round as we see him for the first time, is Rodgers in that territory? Is the same type of buzz around Aaron Rodgers about can he go get another one with the Green Bay Packers considering that this is the third straight year that they've won, what, 12 or more, 13 or more games? 13, three years in a row, I think. The standard seems to me to have changed. There seems to be no public pressure or outcry. There never was to me on Favre either. These two Green Bay quarterbacks, excellent, but they've never faced this crushing pressure that Manning, and I'm trying to think of somebody else that faced a lot of pressure before his second. Roethlisberger's came in relatively short order. Um, Eli's came in relatively short order. So I, I, I don't know that there's a comp. But I don't feel like Aaron Rodgers faces that pressure to go get the second one. It's as if people say he's been so good that with or without the second ring, he's been so good. I think that there should be more pressure on Aaron Rodgers because he's been with the Packers his entire career and he only has one to show for it. I think what Peyton Manning did was far more impressive in that he had the bad injury he goes to Denver, he kind of reinvents himself, and he has a record-breaking season where they don't win it, and then he ends up winning it as kind of a game manager yeah. right at the end of his career where he's clearly not himself, and they've got a great defense. But winning a Super Bowl with two different franchises, very impressive. We've seen Tom Brady now win multiple Super Bowls with one franchise and one with another one. And here's Aaron Rodgers, an all-time great, a t- top-five quarterback all-time probably by the time he retires, and he's got one Super Bowl playing in Green Bay, Why is one of the more? preeminent organizations in all of sports for the entirety of his career. I don't, I'm with you, Paul. I don't sense the outward pressure on him or even the inward pressure. There should be a lot of pressure on him, though. This is big for him. This is big for his legacy to get a second Super Bowl. And he's going to be a Hall of Famer no, no, no matter what. He's an all-time great. I'm not disputing any of that. But for him to truly be what I think Aaron Rodgers should be at the end of his career and most people that follow football would say, for him to be, he needs another Super Bowl. He needs to pass Brett Favre. He needs a second Super Bowl. This is the season to do it. Stay tuned when Outkick 360's playoff special continues. Armando Salguero joins us to preview the weekend's divisional matchups. No one covers the NFL like OutKick with John McClain's five decades of NFL experience and Armando Salguero's league-wide knowledge. Break down the top NFL headlines with both on OutKick 360. 
Glad to be a part of your weekend previewing the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. This is OutKick 360 heard weekdays, 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern, 2 to 5 Central on the OutKick radio network and at OutKick.com, which is where you can find all of the NFL coverage from Armando Salguero, senior NFL writer and columnist, covers all the games and all the divisional matchups that are set to take place this weekend. Armando, hope you're doing well. I'm doing well, guys. I'm doing outstanding. I'll be better this weekend once the games begin because then I'll be, you know, in the zone, so to speak. There is not a bad game to watch. It never is in the divisional round. So much at stake. Every team is legit. You know, they've most have made their way through at least one playoff game and won their way in. Which team are you looking forward to watching the most based off what you saw from wildcard weekend? I just love watching Joe Burrow and the Bengals because uh, at their best, they're going to score 30 points a game. They're just so explosive on offense, but at their best, they're going to give up 30 points a game. And so who knows what's going to happen when the clock strikes zero, it's going to be one of those things where they play a lot. I think of and have played this year, a lot of high scoring games. And I kind of like that. What can I tell you? I've dismissed this for years, Armando, and, and told people here to not worry so much about what national media say and all of that. There's some things to be in a small market and, and a new franchise in Nashville. But it really is a palpable sense. You know, a lot of analytics. People have written about this team being the worst number one seed ever, et cetera, et cetera. Cincinnati's the young up-and-comer. Um, people – nationally just don't seem to have any feel for this team. They say Mike Vrabel's interesting, but Derrick Henry's a great running back coming back from the injury, but there's never a, uh, that's a good team. And what is it about this franchise you think that, that makes it the case right now? They win with things that are hard to measure, Paul. They win with uh, intangibles. They win with guts. They win with um, hard-nosed football. They don't win with the obvious, you know, a 1,000-yard receiver and 90-catch tight end and 4,500-yard quarterback and the guy with 15 sacks. They do it with an actual team. And when that happens, and and by the way, very good coaching and great discipline. And when that happens, it's hard for, I would say, it's a failing of the national media. It's hard for reporters to grasp on and say, this is the reason the Tennessee Titans are good. Or "This this is what makes that team. They can't just point to one thing. And so I think that That is why the Titans are a bit of an enigma nationally. But people like you who see them every day um, understand that they're going to be a tough out. They're going to be a tough out. They were a tough out with Derrick Henry during the regular season for eight games, uh, with or without Julio Jones, with or without A.J. Brown, with or without offensive linemen coming in and going out. What did they have? 50, what was, how many players did they use this 91. year? 91. It, it was an, an, 
a crazy number that should not be allowed of a number one seed. It doesn't, those two things don't go together. And yet the team overcomes the individual star in Nashville. That's a very good answer. We should package that, pass it out. Well, here's the, I mean, here's another part of it. Just looking at that game and looking at these divisional playoffs of the eight starting quarterbacks remaining is Ryan Tannehill the worst of those quarterbacks? And, and is that part of this when you look at the Titans makeup and what, you know, media thinks of the Titans now moving forward? So, yeah, I wrote about that as it pertained to the AFC. And as far as the AFC is concerned, Unquestionably. Uh, yes. Well, I mean, the answer is pretty clear. If you were having a quarterback draft tomorrow, uh, who is not the, you know, he's not the first guy taken. He's not the second guy taken. He's the fourth guy taken, except there's only four guys. So I just think that quarterbacks, there's three kind of NFL quarterbacks, right? So there are because of quarterbacks, there are in spite of quarterbacks, and there are with quarterbacks. Some quarterbacks you win because of them. Some quarterbacks you win in spite of them. Some quarterbacks you win with them. I think Ryan Tannehill is a with. Um, you know, he's he's okay. He's good. Some days he's really good. Some days he's not so okay. Uh, but the other guys who are in the AFC playoffs. Patrick Mahomes uh, is a because of quarterback. Josh Allen, we know he's a because of quarterback. And I think more and more people understand that the Cincinnati Bengals are there. They won their division and they advanced in the playoffs past the division, past the uh, wildcard round. Was it because of their, you know, Trey Hendrickson? No, I think it was Joe Burrow. He's a because of quarterback. And so if that's what makes Ryan Tannehill the worst quarterback in the AFC right now, then then he is. Maybe the only team similar to that structure and style is San Francisco, and they're on the road taking on Green Bay with Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback, and a lot of people don't believe in him either. Uh, Armando, do, is there a better team at utilizing their best player more than the way San Francisco and Shanahan utilizes Debo Samuel? Is it Cooper Cup in L.A.? Like, Is there another team that takes their best player and figures out a way to get them the football at all costs? Debo Samuel is a stud, and this is the reason that he is a stud. He is a wide receiver. He plays a diva position that doesn't love contact, except that he thinks like a running back, and he loves contact. And he loves to block. Uh, and by the way, he's not the only one on that team. And so that team has, they're very similar, like you said, to, to the Titans in that they're a badass team. They're just a bunch of badasses. And it, oftentimes that makes up for their lack of overall, not overall talent, but overall star power. And they do have some stars on that on that team, George Kittle, I think we can all agree is a star, right? Um, so Debo Samuel has in that, it, 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 within that, that team structure, he's a, he's a very good wide receiver, but don't, but if you're going to try to tackle him, 
He's not the run out of bounds guy. He's the run up your, you know, craw guy. And that's what makes him really, really uh, impressive. Seems highly unlikely the Rams are going to be able to run the way they ran against Arizona. Do you think they're capable of going to Tampa Bay, shifting into a different mode, and Stafford doing what it will probably take to knock off the defending Super Bowl champs? Yeah, so we're back to the because of and the fight <laughs> of and the with guys. I always thought that Matt Stafford was going to eventually be, be a because of but kind of quarterback, but he's mostly been throughout his career a with and oftentimes not enough of a with. Um, can they run on the Bucks? The Bucks are one of the premier run-stuffing teams in the NFL when healthy. So are they going to run on the Bucks? I don't think so. The Bucks are not very good in the secondary. They, you know, they have more personnel now than they did in the middle of the season and late in the season because they're on the field, but they're not a hundred percent. And so they can be had in, you know, on the back end, the the thing about that is <laughs> soaking the Rams. <laughs> and so, uh, uh, you know, uh, with the exception of maybe one guy. Um, and so uh, the long-winded answer to your question is, can the Rams throw on the Bucks? Yes, Paul. Can they run on the Bucks? Unlikely. Can, can the Bucks protect Brady with how banged up they are up front? Uh, you know, the, the, the key with Brady over the years, and we've seen the Titans try this here in Nashville over the years, and we've seen other teams try to do it against New England, try to pressure him up the middle, get him off the spot, get him on the move. The Rams have the ability to do that, even with a healthy Buccaneers offensive line. Now that they're so banged up, how do you see this game going in the trenches? Um, I see Leonard Fournette finally playing. Uh, it, I thought he was going to play last week, and he didn't. And I think that that creates a little uncertainty that will help in part to protect Tom Brady and also give him a quick uh, option for, you know, the quick passes, the check downs. Tom Brady is, you know, he has always been a great passer, great arm, never gets tired, very accurate, but Tom Brady is perhaps the most patient quarterback I've ever seen. He doesn't mind seven yard check downing you to death. And, you know, for many years in the AFC East, teams would scoff at Tom Brady for doing that as the Patriots were winning 14 games and 17 consecutive division championships. And those teams would lose twice a year to Tom Brady. So don't underestimate, get rid of the ball quick, Tom Brady. And if Leonard Fournette finally gets back, that's going to be a big plus on his side. Do you think it also comes down to, in this matchup, Brady to Evans must be more productive than Stafford to Cup? <laughs> I, I, you know... I'll say this. If the Los Angeles Rams are going to decide to cover Mike Evans one-on-one, 
I'll take Michael Evans over Cooper Cup seven days a week. He's just that guy. He's just better. And I get it. Cooper Cup, brilliant player, um, you know, tons of, of stats um, and all that. But Mike Evans is a beast. And he, he cannot be covered by another person on this planet one-on-one. And so my, my question would be with the, with the Bucks, will the Bucks, you know, go with, uh, with single coverage there, or are they going to double him and ask Jalen on the other side to single whoever's over on the other side? Armando Salguero, our guest, you can read his work at outkick.com. Are the Buffalo Bills ready to go on the road through Arrowhead and beat Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs offense? So I'm going to give you a preview of the outkick game of the week uh, story that I haven't even written yet. So you you remember how, um, well, you guys are kind of young, but the Steelers were good in the 70s, guys. Let me tell you. And the Raiders were good in the 70s. Just, just letting you know. Um, and those two teams were after each other, and they formed this rivalry that had no real reason for being, other than the fact that each one of those knew every year that if they wanted to get where they wanted to be, they had to go through the, you know, either Oakland or Pittsburgh. And what we're seeing with Kansas City and Buffalo now, they've played four times, I think, in the last two or three years. And each time it's a bloodbath and each time it's for, you know, something important. We're, I'm getting that vibe from Kansas city, Buffalo, uh, that once upon a time, the NFL had with, you know, Chuck Knoll and John Madden and Ken Stabler and Terry Bradshaw. So on your beast meter that we just talked about, uh, with Mike Evans versus Cooper cup, uh, Stefan Diggs versus Tyree Kill versus Travis Kelsey. If we're looking at a beast of a receiving option for Mahomes and Allen going into this game, I'm guessing you're taking the two options with Kansas City, but what do you think about that matchup? No, uh, well, I, thankfully for the, the Bills, they don't go at each other. Uh, True. Because, yeah, right? And so... You know, so Travis Kelsey, if if he's not the best tight end in the AFC right now in the playoffs, who is? Um, he is he is a difficult difficult cover. Tyree Kill, he can be he can be schemed, and I know it took defenses a while to figure that out, but they figured it out. And, you know, Tyree Kill is still great and, uh, and awesome. And he is, you know, a cheetah in, on two legs. But he can be schemed. And what I mean by that is contained by how you play him. Travis Kelsey can't be contained by how you play him because he beats, you know, you put two guys on him and he'll win. And that is a certainty. And... In that regard, Stefan Diggs uh, doesn't – I don't know that he's a big beater of two guys all the time either. 
So of those three guys that you mentioned, Travis Kelsey is the, is the one that kind of um, tilts the, the weight in Kansas City's favor. High-scoring affairs. You mentioned the times that they've matched up. 38-20 was the final score earlier this season where Buffalo won that game. The over-under right now in Vegas is 53.5 points, which is surprising to me. Do, do you see this game as more likely being around 70 or below 50? Temperature. <laughs> I see a high-scoring game, despite how well the defensive have played. Well, you got one quarterback that threw five touchdown passes last week against another quarterback who threw five touchdown passes last week and had those five touchdown passes in the context of four incompletions in the entire game. That was Josh Allen. So if you're betting, you know, if you're thinking that it's going to be a high scoring game, that means you saw the games last week. You're a smart man. I get it. Well, Vegas, totally. Vegas saw it too. Yeah, and you know they like to win money. They like to make money. So I would say be careful because <laughs> there's going to be points scored. There will be points. That, that yes, there will. Fifty three and a half, Chad. There will be points. Um, I would take the over. I would personally, go over. But this is again the uh, cold. I, the cold is the only thing that scares you at all with that. I would think. It was cold last week. Yeah. <laughs> it was great. cold last week. So in, in today's game, great offense beats great defense. Uh, I, I would take – I would go over. I, I would say as far as the, the climate and the cold, Paul, can we agree it's not that. It's wind yeah. and sleet and, yeah. and that kind of thing. I mean, these guys, they're – you know, the, even their fans are idiots. They come, it's 20 degrees out and they come out shirtless. And How they, about your guy, out. Ryan Fitzpatrick was there in Buffalo. <laughs> did he have a shirt on? No, he did not. Well, it looked like I it. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me. You don't want to see Ryan Fitzpatrick shirtless. <laughs> no. He's got a, sec- no, a like, second beer. <laughs> it's like watching a bear walk through the locker room. It's like, what? <laughs> We had him here. We know. Armando a said. A red-headed bear walking through your locker room. We had him here. Everyone listening is like, yeah, he played for our team. Played everywhere. Armando Salguero has been our guest uh, and a great follow on Twitter. It's very easy. Just search his name. You can also search him at outkick.com. All the coverage there, and you could go read his work, including the column he's writing on Chiefs and Bills. Armando, thank you as always. We'll catch up next week to preview all the conference matchups. It's always my pleasure, gentlemen. That's Armando Salguero, senior NFL writer for OutKick.com. Up next, the veteran quarterback who's the least discussed but has the most to prove. It's the OutKick 360 playoff special on the OutKick Network. OutKick 360 is the agenda-free sports talk show for true sports fans. Interact and give your take on the biggest sports headlines. Follow the show at OutKick 360. Quarterbacks remaining in the playoffs include three Super Bowl champions, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, and Patrick Mahomes. And then there's Buffalo's Josh Allen, who is the ascending player to elite status. Jimmy Garoppolo might depart San Francisco for another franchise in four months. Joe Burrow is the young quarterback making his mark and gaining the critical playoff experience. And 
Then there's Matthew Stafford, looking to prove he's playoff caliber after finally winning his first playoff game. And Ryan Tannehill, who's won plenty of games for the Titans, but hasn't won over his critics. We all know what he's fully capable of in this offense with Henry being Henry. And that's why we discuss the, the topics of what Henry means to this team versus what the quarterback-wide receiver combo and the other AFC teams and really the rest of the league that's still in the postseason, what it matters to them. In four postseason starts, 54 completions, 534 yards. That's in four games. 54 completions for 534 yards in four games. So look, the game's shaped in a way that you didn't need Ryan Tannehill to do a hell of a lot. And the Titans are fine with that. And Ryan Tannehill's fine with that. I'm fine with that. I imagine you guys are fine with that. He made it, He had an incredible pass that got them going in on that play against Baltimore. But yeah. I, I can't, two. He, I can't remember hit, really anything that he had to do against New England other than no, not screw it up. He oh, had get, two against Baltimore. Yeah. He hit Johnny Smith going one yes. way, Khalif Raymond at the very beginning of the second corner going the other way, and that was it. Then they ran, and they played defense, and they were great. In Kansas City in the AFC Championship game, fact of the matter is they were overmatched. They were exhausted, and they ran into Mahomes, who made a miraculous running touchdown play right before half that basically put them in chase mode, and they weren't going to catch him. Here's why I have the concern. Last year against Baltimore, the Ravens found a way to eliminate Derrick Henry from that game. Arthur Smith couldn't keep up. Corey Davis couldn't keep up. He dropped out of that game with a we-don't-know-what to this day. And Tannehill was bad. He was 18 for 26 for 165 and a TD with a pick, 83 rating. But here's the big part. They're down 17-0 going into the fourth, and he went three for six for 21 yards with a pick, an 18.8 rating. The biggest quarter of his football life, three for six for 21 yards with a pick. That's the quarter I would guarantee you if Ryan Tannehill was reviewing his career that haunts him, that he wants back, that he wants to do it. He can't have a quarter like that in a crucial moment in what are potentially the 12 quarters ahead of him if this team's going to win a championship. Yeah, I agree. And um, I don't think he... He doesn't speak publicly on the doubters. He doesn't reference, oh, you say I can't do this, I'm going to do this. Um, I I do think he's uh, fiery and he's a huge competitor uh, internally, but externally you're not seeing that. There's no doubt he notices, though, the discussion, that he takes note of all this. And he's in a position as the quarterback of the number one seed to take advantage of the opportunity and quiet a lot of doubters. He could put a lot of this to rest by making a run to a Super Bowl. It could completely change the narrative about his legacy here. Now, we say that a little bit like it's something different for him. Any quarterback who doesn't have that legacy can can change it with with a three-game run from here, right? But... He's not been good in the playoffs. And here's another reason that I'm a little bit skeptical about the Titans from here. He's had his worst season with the Titans this year, right? I have the least good expectations about him because of that. Now, he's leveled off, but he's thrown some bad interceptions, and he's let go of some bad fumbles, and now he's about to face the best teams that he's faced 
This one's pretty good. Next week's is going to be really good in Kansas City and or Buffalo. And the one coming from the NFC will be really good if they get there. And those those plays, Chad, that drive you crazy where you you see that underneath linebacker that he somehow misses that slides underneath. If that resurfaces, his legacy ain't going the right direction. Well, it's it, we know the it's going in the wrong direction if that happens. I, I think, unfortunately, for Ryan Tannehill, there's a scenario where they go to the Super Bowl and his legacy doesn't change at all because everyone's still going to look up and say, well, you got Derrick Henry. He'd be perfectly fine. And that's fine. the leader of this team. He'd it's be the perfectly same. fine being Trent Dilfer. Well, Hutton pointed that out, right? You know, what are we talking about? Well, let's go with the duo for every team in the playoffs, and you go down the list, and it's quarterback, receiver, quarterback, receiver, quarterback, receiver. Titans, it's Derrick Henry. That's not changing in his playoff run. Now, if Derrick Henry gets out there and can't go or something happens and Ryan Tannehill, this team turns into a Ryan Tannehill, A.J. Brown, Julio Jones show – and they go on a run and win two games and get to a Super Bowl, that changes his legacy. If the Titans win the way the Titans win, Ryan Tannehill is going to have an enormous part in that if it happens. But from a credit standpoint, a legacy standpoint, it's not going to matter because he's still going to be viewed as nothing more than a game manager But the thing for in most his, people. In his, in his favor, though, and going back to last year, Tannehill's numbers in some crucial categories for quarterbacks were up there with the top names. Yep. And 9.8 yards per attempt. They're, they're breaking offensive records for as a franchise. I mean, he's he's threading the needle on play action, especially on first and second down. Play action passing was – I mean, Arthur Smith got a job. Arthur Smith is a head coach now because of what Tannehill and A.J. Brown and Derrick Henry did. Um, it's leveled off this year. They haven't had that trio together – um, I would say maybe 20% of the snaps, and that's just a guess. But I know uh, if you insert Julio in the mix, it's been 10% of the snaps, 120 of like 1,100. Point being, if he goes on a run and puts up the type of numbers that we saw and the production, the production more than numbers of what we saw from 2020 with he and A.J. Brown and Derrick Henry in the backfield. That's why everyone was so optimistic about this year going into the year offensively. Is can they pick up where they left off and then they've added Julio into the mix? Well, now he has a chance to do it, but just on a much shorter time frame over a three-game stretch. And I'll bring up last year and add it in as a negative. He had some of the best numbers we've ever seen and then had a complete flop in the game that Paul just pointed out against the Baltimore Ravens. When it got when it came down to Win in advance. We need you to win it. It was not win in advance mode at the quarterback position last year. And that's just the truth of what happened at Nissan Stadium. And Chad, it might not change it as dramatically as it would change it for some other guys because of the construct of the team. But when you're introduced to the dais as Super Bowl winner Ryan Tannehill, it changes it. You know, no matter what, it changes well, it for Trent I, Dilfer, right? I say Who's that. Maybe though, the worst Super Bowl winning quarterback ever. I say that only to say. The, what I think is the obvious, that people who criticize Ryan Tannehill and they look at his tenure in Miami and they look at the, the, how he fell back this year, back to the pack, if he goes to – those critics are, are just going to say, well, he's a game manager that rode Derrick Henry in a better defense to a Super Bowl. Fair or unfair? And I think that's unfair because, again, if they're going to win a Super Bowl he's gonna make or plays. get to a Super Bowl, he's going to make plays. Absolutely. I think we all know that, but – I just don't think – we've got someone on uh, the YouTube chat right now, Ken, who says, 
Well, there's a reason why Tannehill is the least talked about quarterback remaining in the playoffs. It's, it's because he's by far the worst quarterback remaining. Titans will have to overcome his ineptitude to have a chance. I, I don't know about inept. Well, he's been worse this year. and it's a, it's a great opportunity for him just like every other quarterback. I'm just simply saying that unless he catches fire and has great stats and the Titans suddenly are lighting people up through the air, the knock on Tannehill is still going to be, well, he had one great offensive season a year ago and he rode, uh, well, yeah, Last year, last year was wasn't a great offensive season. wasn't a great playoff run. He fell apart in the one playoff game, but he was great throughout the regular season. But the but year he had, those what's the storyline going to be? Derrick Henry, King Henry, returned to his throne to lead the Titans through the playoffs and to win a Super Bowl. And Ryan Tannehill didn't screw it up. Congrats! But to the guys, that's, that's what critics are going to say about Tannehill. But to the guy calling him inept, go find me inept quarterbacks who've led teams to to twelve win seasons and number one seeds. At, at, there's no such list. He's not inept. That that's hyperbole. Yeah, he is not an inept quarterback. Oh, he's good. He's good. He's just right now. He's a good quarterback. But and, he and would he would that's have how to quarterbacks be, are judged. Quarterbacks are judged on what happens now. If somehow and he knows that a he, team he, we talked about it last week can take away Derrick Henry or Derrick Henry isn't himself whatever, he's going to have to be then great. Then what? Yeah, he's going to have to step up and be great. That that's. That's where he steps out of this. He doesn't have to be great if the way they're constructed works and offensively they can run the football. But he is going to have to be great if someone takes that away from the Titans. And they have A.J. Brown, Julio Jones. They have weapons to get the football to if that happens. But he's going to have to elevate from what he's been this season, which has been, to me, a pretty decisive step down from a year ago. Here's one thing that does go in his favor that, that doesn't come up enough. This team's very good in two-minute, right? I, I have a pretty good amount of faith in him to go down and get a score at the end of the game or end of the half, the same as I did the previous two years. Derrick Henry's not on the field in two-minute, whether his foot's broken or not, because he's, he's not part of that offense, that fast-paced thing and so that's Ryan Tannehill running that his running back in those situations was Jeremy McNichols for most of the year it's going to be Dontrell Hilliard now that's him and pass catchers he might be calling his own stuff in that also so you know if you slice that out that's pretty good Ryan yeah but no one remembers that I know but I'm I'm putting it in evidence you're asked now you're, you're you're asked to throw the ball all over the place and win a game can he do it Here's I don't know. Evidence from the regular season suggests not. 32 throws against Pittsburgh, they lost. 52 throws against Houston, they lost. When he's throwing a lot, they're not playing the way they want to play, and they're losing. We hope you enjoy the divisional round of the NFL playoffs, traditionally some of the best matchups of the entire football year. Recap the games with us Monday starting at 3 Eastern, 2 Central, right here on this OutKick 360 station. Or you can find us on any social platform by searching at Outkick360.